morning. Uh, I am. Uh, and welcome to those who are joining us online via Zoom uh, or watching this on, online later. You remember that phrase? You may have heard it uh, years ago on television. Don't touch that dial. Remember that? Remember when you actually had to go and physically turn a dial to <laughs> change a channel? Uh, some, some of you younger ones, you say, what, are, what are they talking about? You know, you just, you know, no. Actually had to walk across the room to a screen about this big and turn the button, right? But what, what was that all about? Don't touch that dial. It means something very important is coming up. And I got to tell you this morning, this has got to be one of the most important messages that I have preached in 25 years of ministry. So would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, speak to our hearts. Let your words, Lord, not, not the words of a man, let your words uh, touch our hearts. Lord, you said that your, your word would not return to you void, but would accomplish the purpose to which you would send it. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear this morning what you want to speak to us through your spirit. We thank you for this time, Lord. Use an imperfect vessel like me, Lord, and be glorified in it all. Through Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at the purpose for the Christian church, right? Who are we? We're supposed to be a light to the rest of the world, right? to help people to find their way to Jesus so they don't have to perish in their sins but can find forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus Christ, right? And we saw how that light as of late, last several years, has been getting dimmer as the church in America has been taking more and more of its uh, values and ideals from the world around us instead of from the Word of God. And so as the church becomes more and more like the world, we have less and less to offer it. Amen? So we looked at that, um, and, and, and that message has still been resonating in my heart. I hope it has with yours too, that we need to get back to a recommitment to the Word of God in our day and in our time. As I was thinking about that message not long ago, the Lord brought me back to it. And uh, as if to say, there's something that you missed. So, oh, okay. So I, I went back and I looked at it, looked over my notes, and I, I, I got to tell you what I saw there really, really rattled me. Remember, if you were here, how we looked at uh, research from George Barna uh, showing how 68% of Americans, this was 2022, um, profess uh, to be Christians. Uh, but only 6% have a biblical worldview, a worldview that lines up with the scriptures, right? Um, and half of those, the ones who said they were born-again Christians, there was a 13% who held a biblical worldview. And it was like the Lord took a highlighter and he said, look at this, look at this. Just half of professing Christians in America say that they're born again. 
And when that sunk in, I've got to tell you, it hit me like a ton of bricks. You say, why, Pastor? Why, why, why is that such a big deal? Let's go to the words of Jesus this morning. John chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answers him, verse 3, and look what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you see that? Can you grasp the weight of that statement? Now, now, now go back to the research. Only half of professing Christians in America say that they're born again. Only half. What does that mean? That means there are a whole lot of people. People who say, I am a Christian. People who say, who, who think in their hearts, I am all set for eternity. But Jesus says, not Pastor Ron says, Jesus says they will not see the kingdom of God. Do you see why that impacted me? Like a half. And if you go back to the, the, the population in 2023, you're talking about 113 million people in America who are in for the shock of their lives come Judgment Day if they do not understand and respond to the truth, the words of Jesus that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, for my part, I'm responsible for this congregation, right? So I'm sure as heaven going to make sure that you all understand exactly what Jesus is talking about here, what it means for you and for me, and how we can respond to those words. I'm going to title the message this morning, No Two Ways About It. No Two Ways About It. Now the context of this passage is spot on. Absolutely spot on. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, so-and-so, they're very religious, right? Like if anybody's going to, is right with God, if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be them, right? They're a very religious person. Well, that was Nicodemus and the Pharisees. They kept the commandments better than anybody. They, it, it, was, it was their life to focus on those commandments. And not just the Ten Commandments, but all the rest of the Law of Moses and hundreds of other traditions that they had added through the years. They did it better than anyone else. We have to understand this morning, they, they believed in God. They prayed. They read their scriptures. They tithed. They did good deeds. They went to the worship service every single week and sometimes more. They were involved in ministry. If anybody was in, it was them. It was the Pharisees. They were the religious of the religious. 
And here is Nicodemus. He says to Jesus, Jesus, we know that you are a teacher come from God, which I'm sure was going to be followed by a bunch of other questions, right? Can you tell me about yourself? You know, where, where is your family from? What rabbi did you, did you study under? Right? Bunch of questions that he wanted to know. But Jesus basically cuts him right off, doesn't even let him go there. And he says, he, he gets right to the issue. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus basically says to this very religious man, Nicodemus, forget all the other questions. It's all immaterial. The most important thing that you need to know right now is that you think you're all set. You think you've made it. You think you're right with God. You think your eternity is in the bag. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. It's not. There is something missing. And unless you and everyone else faces this issue, not going to make it. You see how important this is. Let's, let's, let's finish the text. Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? In other words, what do you mean, born again? I, 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 don't, I don't get it, Jesus. And, and Jesus answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at me that I said to you, you must be born again. Circle that word must. Now, when you you and I want to stress something, um, we we might underline it or italicize it, right? Because we we want to stress it. But scholars tell us that the ancient Jews in writing and in speech, when they wanted to emphasize something, they repeated it. Okay? So here is Jesus, first of all, saying, truly, truly, or verily, verily, in the King James. He's already repeating himself. This is something important. I want to emphasize this. You need to listen to this. Truly, truly. And then at the end, he says, don't marvel that I already said, you must be born Again, do you see how strongly he is communicating that to Nicodemus and to you and me? Now, this means, this means that someone can be a good person a religious person, a devout person who says unabashedly, I am a Christian. But unless they are born again, Jesus, not passed around, Jesus says they cannot see the kingdom of God. So let me ask, let me ask that question this morning. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Now, I can't see in everybody's heart, right? That's, that's something only God can do. But I will say this, in, in 25 years plus ministry, usually those that are know they are. 
So if you're not sure, let me tell you, you're in the right place today. Because my hope is that after we talk about this this week and next week, you're going to know exactly what this is all about, how to respond to it, and how to be sure. How to be sure. So let's dig in this morning. Find out just what Jesus is talking about. What exactly does it mean to be born again? Obviously not re-entering a second time into your mother's womb. It'd be impossible. Um, but unfortunately, the term born again has been used in our society um, to mean different things. Uh, first, in a spiritual sense, it's often used to identify those Christians that are obnoxious. You've met some. Um, yeah, so when you're at a community dinner like the fish fry and somebody, sa and somebody says, hey, can you pass that ketchup you know, down? They say, yeah, glory to God, praise God, here's the ketchup. And do you know that the red in that ketchup reminds me of the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. Are you saved? Well-meaning, but weird, right? Not, not, not building relationships with people like the Bible says, being prepared to answer with gentleness and respect, right? To, to pray to God for an opening to share their faith with somebody. They're just like, bam, right in your face and, you know, scaring people away, right? So, no, don't, don't confuse born again with weird, or with those that come across holier than thou, right? Anybody met it? Never, don't, don't raise your hands. <laughs> but I'm sure we've met those too, right? Oh, I would never. <laughs> no, those things are not synonymous with being born again. So, I don't remember the disciples, the apostles being that way. The other way we see the term thrown around today is when there's a significant change in someone's life, okay? That football player was doing lousy last season, but look at him now. I mean, they're just, just you know, the cat's meow. They're, they're setting all kinds of new records. They are, they've been born again, right? You hear the term in, in, in secular. But we're not talking about simply having a change of life. A change in mind. Now I believe this way. Or even a change of religion. Right? I want to follow the teachings of Christ. Although all of these can and will be a result of being born again. But to truly be born again, as Jesus spoke about it, requires a supernatural action of God upon an individual. Let me say that again. To be born again requires a supernatural action of God upon an individual. It's not something that you and I can do on our own. Let's look at what Jesus said. John 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, some say being born of water here is referring to natural birth. You, you, you hear the, you know, the phrase, my water broke, right? The amniotic fluid that is there when we are born the first time, right? So in other words, you need to have two births, a natural birth and a supernatural birth. 
It makes sense, it fits the context, and it's true. Right? We need to have both. But I think there's another aspect here that needs consideration. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 25, speaking to husbands, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Good idea. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why did Jesus give up earthly pursuits of riches and fame and power? Why did he give that up? Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, right? That he might make the church holy. Watch this, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. How does Jesus cleanse the church? By the washing of water with the word. It's the word that washes the church. Follow me here. What word? The word of truth. The word of the gospel. The gospel says Jesus Christ died on the cross taking our judgment for our sins, right? And that if we will put our faith in Him and trust Him as our Savior, that He will cleanse us from our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness and reconcile us to God. That is the promise of God. That is the word of God to us. And when you and I put our faith in that word, act on that word, put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, that word comes to pass. That promise comes to pass in our lives. We are cleansed, right? So we are cleansed through or by that word. We are washed by that promise. It acts like water, cleansing us from our sins. It washes us. And then, now that we're washed, being cleansed from sin, we are made holy, sanctified, he says, and now ready to receive the Holy Spirit into ourselves. God literally puts His Spirit, His essence in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And when the Holy Spirit comes in, we are changed. We are changed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The term new creation in the Greek refers to something that did not exist previously. It is brand new. Paul in Titus uses the word regeneration. Okay? We become something that we were not before. We are regenerated. We are reborn. We are born again. We're changed. Born first by being cleansed by the water of the Word. And then the Holy Spirit coming into us. So it's not just a change of mind or religion or lifestyle. Again, all those, all those things are going to re result from it. But being born again is a supernatural encounter with the living God. We say that again. Being born again is a supernatural encounter with the living God. It's not a decision that you and I make. I, I, I like the teachings of Jesus. I, I'm, I'm 
I'm a Christian. No. There is a literal change that takes place in us when we become something that we were not before. It's an act of God, a sovereign act of God upon an individual. And Jesus says, unless that supernatural process takes place, we will not enter the kingdom of God. Again, not my words. This is not an option, according to Jesus. Are, are we all clear on this? Well, I sure hope so. Because there's a hundred plus million people in churches across this country just like ours that are not clear on this. And are in for a rude awakening unless they understand this concept and respond to it. it grieves my heart that people have a, a false assurance based on all kinds of other different things. Just like Nicodemus. Again, religious, devout, good works, tithe, went to church, etc., 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 etc. Jesus said, you're not going to make it. You must, must be born again. You must respond to that word. You must be cleansed. You must be changed, regenerated, transformed by the Spirit of God. Many religious, devoted people like Nicodemus who have not been born again in this country and yet claim the name Christian. The problem is the Bible doesn't recognize any other kind. Jesus said in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Do not marvel then that I tell you, we must be born again. Now please understand, please hear this this morning. Jesus was not condemning Nicodemus. He loved him. He wanted Nicodemus to make it. Nicodemus put all this effort in. He wanted him to make it. He loved him. He wanted him to understand the truth. Likewise, and, well, and, and, and we, what we can see from the Scripture is he got it. He got it. He made it, right? Thank you, Lord. But likewise, I am not trying to shame, condemn, point fingers at anybody, say that somebody is not good. None of us are good enough. right? That's why Jesus died for us. No, I want to help us all see this truth right from the mouth of Jesus so that we can all make it. So that we can all be sure. Because He loves you and I 
so much. He wants us to make it. He wants everyone to experience what he has for us, not only in this life, but the one to come. So let me ask you again, have you been born again? Notice I'm not asking if you raised your hand at an altar call. Prayed a prayer, signed a card, made a profession of faith, got baptized, joined the church. All those are wonderful, but none of those things alone are going to get us into the kingdom of God. None of them. If we've not been born again, it doesn't matter that we have come to church faithfully the last 50 years, taught Sunday school, been a deacon, been a pastor. If we haven't been born again, none of that's going to matter. God's not up keeping score. Again, look at Nicodemus. He had it all. He had more devotion in his little finger than, than, than most of us have had for the last 10 years. Jesus said, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You might say, Pastor, I believed in Jesus ever since I can remember. I am so glad of that. I am so glad of that. But that same Jesus says to you and to me, you must. If you believe Him, if you trust His words, He says, you must be born. It's not optional. We must respond in our heart to that gospel message and have a supernatural encounter with the living God. Be regenerated by His Spirit. Is that you? I sure hope so. Or more importantly, is that what you want? Because I take it this morning that if you're here, sitting in church on a Sunday morning, that you want to see the kingdom of God. Am I right? So let's get there. Let's get there. Let's all get there. And if you're there and you're sure, right, and you know that you know, then hopefully you are even more encouraged and, and, and assured this morning and you have knowledge to share with one of a hundred and some odd million people that don't get this. It's so fitting for this message that we find ourselves in the season of Lent. Because the whole idea behind Lent, as I know Kate uh, taught to the women's group, is not to give up soda pop or Facebook. It's a time for soul searching. It's a time to say, where am I? How is it really between me and the Lord? What's really going on between us two? My deep 40 days of, of introspection is Lent. That's, where is it at? Soul searching. Is He alone my salvation? 
Or am I trusting in my good works? Or my baptism? Or any of the other things that we talked about this morning? Am I trusting in those things? Or is it all about Him? Is He my Lord? Is He my Lord? Or are earthly pursuits and desires taking a higher place in my life? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I, I, I really struggle. This would be the great time for, for okay, let's have, let's have an altar call. Let's pray a prayer together. But the more that I've looked at this, the more that I've seen, it's not a simple prayer. Yes, it can start with a simple prayer. But I have known and seen people that prayed a prayer at an altar asking Jesus to be their Lord and Savior and live the rest of their lives like He's not a part of it at all. So it's more than just gathering together on a Sunday morning and saying, I'm praying this prayer, now I'm in. There has got to be a connection with that word that washes us. There has got to be a genuine response in the heart to God where God shows us our sinful condition before Him and offers us salvation through Jesus Christ. And somehow by His grace, we respond and we say, Yes, Lord. you're not sure this morning, tell him. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you the word. Tell him. Tell him where you're at. Tell him you're not sure. Tell him what you believe in your heart about Jesus. Who he is, what he's done for you. Tell him you want to be washed clean by his promise in the gospel. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. Tell him you want to know that you know that you know that you're born again.
truly find entrance in our hearts. And Lord, even if we have to struggle with this for a period of days, wrestle with it, may we do just that. Till we know that we know that we want Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And we do serious business with you. there for maybe many. I don't know. Pastor, how do I know for sure? How do I know for sure that I've been born again? John, the beloved disciple in his epistle, he said, I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. And John gives us in his epistle, several ways, uh, tests, if you will. Uh, the Bible says, test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. So we're going to do that next week. We're going to look at these ways that John says how we can know for sure that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into light, that we've been uh, moved from death to life. So we're going to look at those. Amen? Amen.